Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. And if you have your Bibles, you can open to Proverbs chapter 3. Everybody doing all right? Do you know the Word of God is true and alive and active and more powerful than any two-edged sword? It'll divide you up, soul and spirit. I'm thankful for it. I had a good teaching this morning at the uh, Vessels of Honor, our Bible study on discipleship. If you haven't listened to that series, you need to go back and she's, she just finished up the fourth one. So she'll have one more and uh, listen to that and, and, and uh, consume it. It'll be good for you. But the word of God is powerful. Proverbs chapter three is where we're going. And we're in Proverbs chapter three. This is part two of a series called Paths of Life. Praise the Lord. And we are, we started in verse one, and as per my tradition, we get through one verse. <laughs> I am nowhere, somebody said, James Vernon McGee is faster than I am. <laughs> if you don't know who that is, look him up sometime. But anyway, um, he is way faster than I am. Um, but I might be faster, I guess, if I was on the radio and had to put so much in, you know. Um, but I'm not in a hurry. Are you in a hurry? Now, that's not a reason for me to just preach long for no reason. Um, but the Word of God and the teaching of the Word of God is, is uh, it's, it's not just a random thing. You know, like some people treat their relationship with God on uh, patterns instead of incorporating Him into everyday in every part of their life. So what I mean by that is they think, well, my relationship with God, I have a relationship with God. What does that mean? Well, that means I go to church on, you know, well, nowadays, uh, I read a statistic a while back that people who attend church once a month feel they're Christians and they are, now attending church doesn't make you a Christian. Being born again does, but they feel like they're really doing good. They attend church once a month. That's the new culture. Of course, when I was growing up, uh, in church, um, you went Wednesday, Sunday morning, and Sunday night. And people go, oh, is the preacher going to say we have to do that? <laughs> if I was really biblical, they met from house to house daily. Now, we have the ability today to actually hear the word every day. We are actually in a time period where there is more scripture being taught and shared than ever before. There is not a, I mean, there are radio stations. There, there is never a reason not to hear the word unless you live in a nation where they won't give you internet access. And guess what? In America, we don't have that problem. Okay, But yet also at the same time with that understanding, we also live in a generation that's more biblically illiterate than any other generation. And yet we have how many translations available? And people say, well, I'm just going to live my life. Your life is God's life. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this, and I want you to hear me. 
He owns it two ways. One, by creation. Two, by redemption. You say, what do you mean? You know, like, I always find it amusing, professional athletes, most of them do this, some don't. I was watching, uh, I don't remember which game it was, but they interviewed the kicker after the football game because he won, the, he hit the game-winning field goal, and he injured himself on the first field goal and went and kicked three others. And this, is, this lady's interviewing him, and she says, she asked him a question about the field goal. And he said, well, I'll answer that in a second. But first, I'd like to just thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, he understands who gave him the ability to kick. Now, most people, <laughs> there's a, I don't remember who this was. It's some famous musician or rapper or something. And there, it's a recording that they did of themselves. I think they received an award or something like that. It's a recording they did. And in the recording, they said, I'd like to thank myself. Now that's arrogance, but I know that this person isn't necessarily born again. Or if they are, they really don't know who they, the reality of. Because see, we think, we think, well, I'm living my life. You're supposed to be living the life that God has for you. So when we talk about paths of life, when we talk about Proverbs and what Proverbs is talking about, he's giving instruction for you not to, you know, we got to get away from this in the church, but get away from this idea of that God is trying to take away my fun. Okay? So he's trying to remove, he's not wanting to help me. He's not wanting to, uh, Jesus said out of his own mouth, I came to give you life and life more abundantly, right? More abundantly. Well, what does that mean? I mean, that's quite a promise from God. Go to Romans chapter 8, and we'll get back to Proverbs chapter 3. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse number 31. I want you to see this. He came to give you life and life more abundantly. Romans chapter 8, verse number 31. There, bud. He's so good. He's got to be a chip off the old block. All right. <laughs> I just called myself old. Okay, so <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse number 31 says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God be what? Who can be against us? Verse 32. He who did not. Who didn't spare his son? But for us. So, so let's stop right here. For me. Now, now do this. You do this. Put your hands here. Say, for me. God gave you his son. Now watch the question. What's the question? Look at the next question. How shall he what? Not with him also give us all things. So if we think of God's nature in terms of the wisdom that he provides, in terms of like if his, when we think of the paths of life, if we think about scripture, we think about what he's saying to us, when God says to us, don't do this, don't live this way, what is he, what is he trying to do? He's trying to get you all the other things that he has provided for you. 
Now he proved he loved you by what? Sending his, he proved it, right? People say, well, if God loved me, he wouldn't allow this and he wouldn't allow, listen, there is no question that God loves us. The, the argument cannot be made that he doesn't love us. You do realize that we're the ones that mess this thing up. We're the ones that messed it up. Have you ever done this? And we're still on paths of life, okay? Have you ever done this? Have you ever really sat down and been honest with yourself concerning a situation you're in? and took credit for what you did. Now, you may have done it by deception. I mean, in other words, the enemy might have deceived you. Or you may have done it by ignorance. You just didn't know, right? Or you may have done it by rebellion. Well, I know I'm supposed to forgive that person, but they're going to get the third degree. Have you ever thought about that? I know, it's a great thought, isn't it? <laughs> People are like, can we meditate on the part where he gave us his son again? <laughs> sure, we can. We can go back to that. But you understand what I'm saying. Have you ever thought of There's a reason why I'm at where I'm at in my life right now. Now, the large majority of that is that the grace of God has operated in me, but the grace of God is available to those who exercise the free will gift that they have toward that grace. So if I want my outcomes in life to be different, then I have to what? Change some decisions that I'm making. So how do I make proper decisions? I've got to have new information. I've got to be functioning from a place of wisdom. Do you know, it, you think about this, in the, in the world today, in the natural world, in the university world, in the, uh, all the spheres of, of different, uh, uh, like business and education and things like that, do you realize this, that the further and further we get away from God, the dumber and dumber we'll get? People say, oh no, we got science. <laughs> I love what they've done with science. It's cool. But all true science originates with God first. And all true light and understanding comes from him. The scripture says that the entrance of his word gives what? Light. What if you quit, if, if you shut off the entrance of his word? You have no more what? You have no more light. Which means, and humanity is this way because of pride, the moment we cut God out of our lives, whether it be professionally, personally, individually, relationally, family-wise, raising kids, money, all the areas of, the lives, of our lives, the moment we pull him, the moment we say, your word's wrong, Lord, and my opinion is right, we have now done what? We have now turned the light off in that area of our lives. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? I didn't say you weren't saved. You just may actually end up getting to heaven sooner than you wanted to. You say, what do you mean by that? 
I mean that if you don't follow the principles in the word for your life on a daily basis, you actually can end up doing something that God did not lead you to do, and it can cost you in your soul or your mind and in your physical being. Now, specifically your physical being. You actually can miss God, end up in a devil trap, and end up losing out on length of days here on earth and end up in heaven early. But you know what? Thank God for heaven. Come on. But how many want to live out all your days here on earth? Just, to, just so you know, we didn't get off course. We're getting there. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 1. My son, and that could be daughter. It's both. Um, my son, do not what? Don't forget my What? Yeah, teachings, who said it? <laughs> That's right. Last week we talked about it. Law, sometimes people get weird, uh, weird ideas about what, but it's God's instructions. He's saying, don't forget my instructions to you, but let your heart, which implies I have a responsibility, right? But let your heart what? Keep my commands. Verse number two, and this is what we didn't get into. They will what? For length of days and long life, and they will add to you. Add to you? Which means what? Something could be subtracted. Now, if God is saying these are the paths, this is the path, my word is the path, this is the path of light, and if you stay on this path, you have an enemy that wants to subtract your days, but I'm going to go ahead and keep all your days. I'm going to add your days. Now, watch this. Long life for length of days. What is length of days? The word length here actually has to do with, and it means forever. How many, were, how many have been born again? You received Christ. So in that word you received, in receiving him, what did you do? You received forever. Now that's awesome. And if, if that's all there was, it'd be worth it, right? I mean, if, 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 if for anything, you know, people say, well, there's no life after death. Yes, there is. You know, people love to, they write this thing. Uh, is it YOLO? Where's Taylor? Is it YOLO? You only live once? Yeah, that's what it is. That's a lie. People say, YOLO, you know, live your best life now. Which I actually do believe you should do that, you know, right now. But, you know, you, you only live once is not true. You actually live for eternity whether you're saved or not. You and I actually live for eternity whether we're saved or not. So we don't only live once. Because there's a life after this. I need to start a new trend outside of YOLO. I don't know. I don't, maybe I'm not starting trends. That's not going to happen. But length of days denotes length without, length without any reference to limit. It is translated forever in Psalm 23, 6. Let's, let's look at that. Psalms chapter 23, verse number 6. Oops, I went too far. I went in the wrong direction. Go to your left. 
It'll help you if you go to your left if you're in Proverbs. Psalms chapter 23, verse number six. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days, all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord, what? Forever. That's that word right there. So it has to do with eternity. It has to do with forever. Um, Psalms 93, 5 talks about holiness becoming the house of the Lord forever. Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 10 says, Hear my son and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. And that actually has to do with forever. Psalms, or Proverbs 9.11 says this, For by me your days shall be multiplied, and, your year, and the years of your life will be added to you. There actually is in there the idea of eternity. Isn't that awesome? God covers both ends of the spectrum. So this word has to do with an indication with the, or, uh, the next word in here after length of days or after um, length of days is long life. And this word actually has to do with years of your life or a measure of time or a division of time. You know, people say, well, when am I supposed to die? People think, well, whenever God pulls your ticket, the time is up. And they actually quote a, script, a scripture incorrectly. So if God has a set date for you, okay, think about this with me. If God has a set date when you're supposed to die, then why does the scripture say you can add days to your life? You ever thought about that? These are things I think about. I listen to the message and then I go, they just said I had to die at a particular time. So why do I need to obey? If God knows when I'm going to die, why don't I just die? He's going to decide anyway. How many have had times where you thought you were going to die and you made it out because the Lord rescued you? Well, I guess that wasn't your time yet. <laughs> if I can add days to my life by walking in wisdom, the wisdom of God, then that means God's in heaven going, well, I had this date for him, but they've done pretty well. So I'm going to extend it to this date. Or he's put more within our grasp in obeying him and cooperating in fellowship with him than maybe at times we've realized. So to me, I want to know what will add length or what will add days to my life. And part of that is what? Knowing his teachings, knowing his commands, doing what he says. So the first part of that for me was very simply this. I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. How many realize this, that after I got saved, I did not live a holy life right after that? I did better than I was doing before. I mean, in the sense of actions, that didn't determine my salvation. But as I've learned more and more about the Lord, as I've studied the word, as I've made, I've made this my goal, my aim, not just the book, but the man. Obviously, this reveals the man, Jesus Christ. As I've made him my aim in life and gone after him, I learn more. I have more information, and that information adds length or adds days to my life because I don't do what I did before. If I lived the way, if I continued to live the way I was living before and would have continued to do it, you would not be looking at me right now. You wouldn't be looking at me. I would have shortened my days. There are people sitting in this room that know me before I was saved. 
And I'll guarantee you I would have shortened my, and it wouldn't have been God going, oh, he got high and drove and killed himself in a car accident. Yep, that was my time for him. Can you even fathom that? Can you fathom God even? I can't. Not with what he did in Jesus. No, that would have been my decisions having a consequence in my life because I didn't what? Heed to the teachings. If I'd have been listening to the Lord, he'd have said, Sean, don't do that. Stop it, that's dumb. Right? So what about the, more, the smaller things, what we might consider the smaller things in our life? What about the instruction in here about our finances? Because how many know finances are not a heaven or hell issue? Do you know if you don't have a 401k, God's not going to kick you out of heaven? Did you know that? You know, people say, well, Dave Ramsey might think differently. Well, he might, but he's wrong. <laughs> I don't think he does. I'm just teasing, you know, because... You know, if God's not looking at you, and if you don't have a, if you don't have a zero balance at, at, at the end of every month, if you have not given every dollar in your life a home, he's not going, well, nope, you can't come to heaven. Responsible people come to heaven, and you're not responsible with your money, so you can't come. come but how many realize this, that if you're not responsible with your money, there might be some consequences yes. in this life, Right? So what does this word, this teaching, this instruction do? It gives me understanding concerning eternity, but it also gives me understanding concerning what? Right here today, I can actually add days to my life, right? So this then would deal with the length of our natural life here on earth, the phrase long life. Now, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 10 says this, he who would love life and see good days. How many want to see good days? He who would love life and see good days, let him what? Refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Now, what does that mean? Tie that back now into Proverbs chapter 3. How am I going to know what to speak? How do I eradicate evil out of my language? I have to have instruction concerning the commands, the teaching. I have to have new language. So after I'm born again, after I've given my heart to Jesus, now there's this path that I'm walking on, and this path is the path of light, right? It's the path of God. And in order for me to walk on this according to what he said, in order for me to have good days, now he's not implying that you'll never have anything that you'll, will come against you, because how many know you have an enemy? Okay, but what is he saying? He said, I've got to actually put these teachings not only in my head, but I've got to put them in my. If you want to cause yourself problems, start lying to your spouse. Do you know how many times I want to not pray sometimes in situations? People say, what do you mean? Give an example. Somebody will come and said, I need you to pray because this is going on in, in our relationship. In a relationship, say it's a marriage relationship. We need you to pray. 
Well, prayer's not bad. Prayer's a good thing. But I want to know what happened all the time before where we're at right now. Because if I can change the way a husband and wife talk to each other, actually, let me rephrase that. If the Lord can change, okay, let's just make it even bigger. Let's just go even further. If the Lord can change the way we talk to one another, period, we would see more good days. In other words, a, the path of our life would what? It would be clearer, right? There would be more light. I have to, how many realize this? And I know we're not jumping up and down and shouting, but I don't care. Because I love plowing, pulling weeds, watering, watering, wading, wading. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about Christianity. If I can change my language, which I can, to line up with his language, Heidi and I have less fights. We don't, we don't, we don't practice one-upmanship. <laughs> People say, well, what do you mean? You mean pastors and, wi- and, their, and their wives can have disagreements? <laughs> I would say this. If you've gone to a marriage conference and they pretend like they've never had a fight, you might want to find a different marriage conference. <laughs> you know, I said, you know, Heidi and I don't throw plates. We never did, but... Somebody came up to me and said, we switched to paper plates so that. (laughs) I guess whatever it takes. That's a good start. So you're being financially, you know, responsible. That's good. But, (laughs) But how about we have nice stuff and have nice language? I appreciate the sense of humor, okay? I like that stuff. I was raised on the three suges and the far side. So I need a lot of mind renewal. So... (laughs) So I have to keep evil out of my mouth and deceit. Deceit has to do with deception, right? With lying. Don't lie. People say, but if I tell them the truth, it'll hurt them. What do you mean by that? You think that the truth will hurt them worse than the lie that you continue on with? See, lies have harvests. Now, pulling a stone out of the ground may be some work, but at least you're planting a true seed, and eventually it it will produce harvest. Well, if I I tell them the truth, they're not going to trust me. They shouldn't trust you. Speak the truth in love. I'm not saying you have to be mean. You know, somebody comes up to you and you're like, you know, they're like, how do you like my outfit today? You know, and you may not like it. I don't know. (laughs) Don't, well, I wouldn't wear that. You know, I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about legitimate stuff, biblical stuff. Speak what? Life. If I'm going to speak life, 
if I want to see good days and good length of days, I got to speak. I got to keep my tongue or refrain it, which implies responsibility on me from, from, from evil and my lips from speaking deceit. Verse 11 says, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, pursue it. Now, why would you need to tell Christians that? Because experiential sanctification is a process. Spiritual growth is a process. People say, this is why I said earlier, how do we live a holy life? We walk in Christ at a greater and greater level every year. We walk in Christ at a greater and greater level. This word peace here in, this ver in these verses in 1 Peter has to do with shalom in the Hebrew. And this word means safety, prosperity, health, completeness, soundness, quietness, and tranquility. The idea is wholeness. The best description for, um, for this word for me uh, that I have ever heard as far as the definition was nothing missing, nothing broken. In other words, wholeness. So how do I do that? I've got to have understanding of what's being taught then I have to apply that, and as I apply that, not only does it affect my eternity, but it affects my now. Do you want your now to be different? Change what you understand about the situation. In other words, put on the helmet of salvation, get knowledge of the word of God, and then begin to put that knowledge where? In your mouth. Until you change the way you think and the way you speak, your life won't significantly change. Do you know what most happens with most believers? Most that I've found through the years. Most believers are converts, not disciples. Like I know, I have friends of mine um, and have known people through the years that have given their heart to Jesus. They are born again, but they will not change the way they think. And guess what they struggle with? Everything they did when they were first born again. Actually, they live in the same mess that they were, they were the reason why they received Christ in the first place. They just, they just live there. And, it, and it's frustrating. How many know that is like one of the most frustrating things in the world? If the preacher says, come and receive Jesus, he'll change your life. And you come and receive him, but then you don't follow the rest of the plan. And here's the thing, you know something took place in you. You can't lie to yourself about it. You know it took place. But what did you do with what you received? Now, I know sometimes people aren't taught. Well, I get that. That's not the case around here. <laughs> and again, we live in a generation where how much stuff is available for you can have an app on your phone that will remind you to read the word. Yes. And people still don't read it. Yes. Well, I don't got time for that. You will when your path becomes real dark and you decided to make moves in your life anyway. It will be bothersome to you. And what immaturity does is this. Listen closely. Ooh, Jesus, help us. What we do then in our carnality is we do this. Lord, where are you? 
how come you let this happen to Now, I'm talking outside of an attack of the enemy, blindsight. You understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about our decision, our portion. Right? I was watching a, a, (laughs) me and Taylor were watching some sort of reel on Instagram the other day, and it showed this workout lady. And she turned and she said, now, when you're walking, I think she was talking about how to walk. It will help if you hold two chips in your hands. You know, pretend... The idea was two chips in your hands. And then the video switches really quick to this lady walking and (laughs) shoving chips in her hands or in her mouth. She's like, this is helping, you know? (laughs) That decision will have an effect. It's not a heaven or hell effect, right? But it affects what? Our daily life, right? So verse 5, he says this, we skip down a couple of verses here, verse 5, he says in the midst, well then what are we to do? We're to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding, right? The Amplified says it this way, lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. Trusting in the Lord, trust means to be reliant. It means to confide in or lean upon It means to have confidence in. Our trust in the Lord stems from what we read in verse 1. When we know the teachings of God and begin to understand who he is as our father, we can begin to what? Trust him. We began by trusting in him for our salvation or eternity. And as we discover his teachings, we learn to trust in him in our temporary situations. So we don't lean to our own understanding. This is wonderful instruction. It tells us that we are not left to our own understanding. What is this? God is aware of our need for help in the paths of our life. Are we aware of it? God's aware of it. Are we aware of it? How many have made decisions before without God and you're like, how did, this is not good. What, what is going on? Leaning to our own understanding is what has oftentimes gotten us into trouble or even deeper trouble. How many are, if you've been in trouble, you got yourself into trouble, and then you decided to get yourself out? Well, I know what I'm going to do. I bought a self help program. You need to repent. Not try to go deeper into figuring it out yourself. Change, make a change. Think about the difference in perspective that God has from his place of understanding versus ours in the natural. Is there a difference in perspective from God's perspective and ours? People say, well, I have God's perspective. Not if you're not listening. It doesn't just happen by osmosis. People say, oh, I'll sleep on the Bible and it'll get into my brain. No, it won't. <laughs> God is not telling us to have no understanding, Pentecostals. People say, you're making fun of it. We are is, we is ones. Whatever you want to say. He's not telling us to remove understanding 
to live empty-headed, well, if I could just remove my brain, then God could lead me. God gave you your brain. <laughs> Rather, he is telling us that we can have his understanding. We are to lean into his understanding. God, what are you saying to me? And in all your ways, acknowledge him, verse 6, and he will what? Direct your paths. The Amplified says, in all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him. And he, I love this statement, in all your ways, acknowledge him. It, the Living Bible says, in everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Now, what do you mean by direct? Lord, I'm going to do this project. I need your favor on this thing. Nope, nope, nope. Back it up. Lord, do I do this project? Well, I'm going to invest. I'm going to... Lord, this is the person I want to marry. This is them. I claim them in the name of Jesus. And you secretly go by them and sprinkle them with oil or water. <laughs> Lord, who is my spouse? I'm going to do this because my parents think... Now, if you're a youngster, you're going to go with what your parents think. But if you're 25 and your mom is still making all your decisions, you need to repent. And probably so does your mom. Now, I don't know of any circumstances, so if that, it's probably somebody online. Just forget about it. Okay. Now, parents are here for advice. We started doing this with our kids at a certain point in their life. Now, Ian's my youngest. He's 13. Taylor's 16. And then Kylie's already off in Bible college. But we started doing this at different stages. What are you going to do? What is the Lord telling you to do? Now, if they start going a direction that's wrong, I don't go, well, she's just following the Lord. <laughs> no, I step in. You say, why? Because I'm the king. Hello. People say, oh, no, they just need to make their own decisions. It just, they, just let, they let their own kid just dive off a cliff. I am not going to do that. Especially when I'm paying the bills. Hello. My kids are not ready to go do on their own without my input until... They're at that age and at that place spiritually where I'm like, yep, this is it. This is confidence for me. And it should be about the time they're ready to leave if you're doing it right. Now, if it's already past that point, then you've got praying to do, but don't, don't give up hope. Acknowledge the word actually has to do with knowing someone. So when it says this, it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Think of it like this. In all your ways, know him. Boy, that helped me a bunch. In all your ways, what? Know him. So Jesus, if you were in my position, what would you do? Know him. Sometimes people say, well, I need a word from the Lord. 
know him. Well, I could just use some encouragement. Let's wrap up with this. He'll direct your paths. It has to do with direction. 1 Samuel 23, verse 1. Watch David. How many think David was successful? How many think David had some successful, you know, people say, oh, no, I know about that thing that he did wrong. Yeah, but he was still, he came out of it because he repented, which is a good sign for all of us. If we'll repent, we can come out of things. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse number 1. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse number 1 says, Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are robbing the threshing floors. Verse 2. Therefore David, what? Inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? And the Lord said, Go and attack the Philistines. What is that? That's Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5 and 6. Now, David could just go, well, I'm anointed. Woohoo! I'm the king. God's with me. I'm just going to go. You say, do you have to say that? Yeah, because we do that. The Lord told me that if I would ask and pray and believe that I received, then this would come to me in the name of Jesus. And we just flippantly throw stuff out there without hearing from him. Is that scripture there? Yes. But have we... Now watch how, how, how this was with David. Skip down to... Uh, uh, go down to uh, verse number three. Same chapter there. But David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more if, the, if, the, if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Go to verse 4. Then David, what did he do? Once again. And the Lord answered him, I told you what to do the first time, you ding dong. Oh, no, it doesn't say that. Sorry. Never, I can't. My glasses are working, so I can see it. So, arise. Go down to Now I'm going to give you a prophetic word right now. Some of you have followed the Lord in this and you're in trouble. And I'm going to tell you right now by the spirit of God you're in the right place, don't move. I don't know if that helps somebody. It's just been a little rough for you. How many of you have ever followed God and it got worse? <laughs> oh, if I could count the times. You say, why are you laughing about it? Because on the other side, I am telling you what, there is a victory that men will look at and go, oh, I guess he did hear from God. I guess God is good. <laughs> First Samuel chapter 30, verse number seven says this, then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring me the bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the, the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. 
2 Samuel chapter 2, verse number 1 says this. 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse number 1. It happened after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, What? Go up. David said, Where shall I go up? And he said, What? To Hebron. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse number 17 says this. Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for, for David. And David heard of it, and he went down to the stronghold. Next verse. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Go ahead, next one. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go out up against the Philistines? What is he saying? You know, just because somebody picks a fight with you doesn't mean you have to just. Will David asked, will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. Isn't that powerful? 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse number 22. You notice something David did not do? He didn't just get arrogant. Well, I'm, I'm a champ. I'm a, I win every time. I always win. I never lose. I never, I just, oh, we're in a battle. Let's go. We're going to win. I, I declare we have victory in this. He did what? He Second Samuel 5, verse 22. Then the Philistines, these guys were pesty, went up once again and, de and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Go ahead. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, and he said, you shall not go up. What if David said, no, last time he told us to go up, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to go up. We're going to go up. I have the Lord in this. I'm anointed the king. God anointed me the king. We get in trouble when we don't slow down and what? Inquire. He said, you shall not go up. Circle around behind them and come upon them in, the, in front of the mulberry trees. Next verse. And it shall be when you hear the sound of, the, of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly, for then the Lord will go up before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. Second Samuel chapter 21, verse number one says this. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year, and David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered, it is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. Next verse. Why was there a famine? It was because of Saul, right? How come David's having to deal with it? Hello. You think we're going to have to deal with bad political decisions? <laughs> the answer is not to curse all the politicians. It's awfully quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> that is not the answer. The answer is to what? Hear from the Lord. Yes, we declare that we preach, that we teach the word, we declare. We got to do it though. Well, I'm irritated by it. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, 
What, what? I don't understand how that's a response spiritually. Have you noticed that there's no fruit of the Spirit called irritation? I mean, if there was, we'd all be super developed in it. You know? <laughs> so they're dealing with a famine. So verse 2, so the king called the Gibeonites, David did, and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. The children of Israel had sworn protection to them, but Saul, watch this, had sought to kill them in his What was Saul led by? Zeal. Is zeal the leading of the Lord? It is not. Well, I'm passionate about this. Did the Lord tell you to be passionate about it? What will doing this do for us? If we align ourselves with the teachings of the word and fellowship with the Lord, we'll see good days. We'll add to our days. Think about it. We'll add to our days. We'll keep ourselves out of traps. How many like to avoid traps? Amen? We'll avoid things in our life. You know, I know sometimes people think, well, they're trying to figure out how, how truths like this can help them, especially if you go to teenagers and young people. They're thinking, this wasn't entertaining enough. But let me say this in regards to truth. Truth that comes when it is applied, you'll have all the entertainment that you need. People say, what do you mean by that? The harvest of a good seed is worth the work of bringing that harvest forth. See, the reason why our lives at times and in particular areas or paths is, because, is in such a mess is because we didn't do this. We didn't seek the Lord. We didn't wait on him. We wanted to have our life. Uh, I'll put it to you like this. We take, we, we take the Lord as an attachment. Watch. When we're looking for church or something like that, or relationship, we do this. Well, does it fit my schedule? Does it really fit my schedule? And there's not, that's not all bad. It, I mean, obviously there's some things that come into play. But really we should be saying, Lord, what is my schedule? And then he orders everything out for us. And when we hear from him, there's light. And when we follow his paths, when we plant his word, when we cultivate the ground, when the seed of the word of God comes forth, what takes place? We have harvest. Do you know what everybody likes? Harvest day. 
Do you know what people don't like necessarily? The waiting. But you know how God is? Do you know, you know what God is, is not like? Uh, years ago, there was a minister who was uh, ministering in a, uh, at, down at Ramah, and he was doing healing school. Joy, you can come if you want. And uh, he was, he was uh, ministering in healing school, and these people that he was ministering to, they had, uh, they had particular issues in their body that medical science said, Wait, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing, there's nothing more that they could do. And uh, he looked out over the crowd, and there was probably 25 people there because this was a private meeting. And these were what might be called terminal cases. And he looked out over the crowd, and he realized there were several people in there that are lawyers, uh, businessmen. You know, they have all their, at that time, you know, they had pagers and people are like what's a pager don't worry about it anyway <laughs> they had every every modern thing that they could there these are high rollers right there they're everything is clocked out time wise they got everything in their calendar laid out this this healing school class is going to take one hour and then i'm going on to whatever i'm going to do next and the minister had a message prepared and everything for them and uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to the minister and said, throw your message out. You're not going to do it. I mean, just set it aside. And this minister, this particular minister played the piano and sang. He said, we're, he said the Holy Spirit said to him, we're just going to worship today. Do you know what that does to somebody who's a mover and a shaker? But you know, oftentimes... That's how the person got in the position they're in. God is not McDonald's. You know what God does? You go to him and you go, Lord, I've got this problem and I got this petition and I need your help. And God says, come here, sit down. Let's just wait. You feel that shift? The Lord will do this. He'll go, whoop. Back up I go. <laughs> the Lord will do this. He'll go. He'll say, let's not think about any of that or talk about that right now. Let's just you and I talk. You say, wait. Sit here and wait. Lord, I really need some strength. I got a lot of stuff to do. I need strength. I need strength, Lord. I need to go. I need strength. You promised me in your word that you said strength would, is mine. It's mine. I claim strength. And then the Lord says, those who... No, Mama, these, these projects are piling up, though. You don't understand, Lord. I got these projects that are piling up. I've got to, and he says, those that. But I got to get this problem solved, and what he's doing is he's trying to instruct us. 
He's trying to get us to come in close so that he can say, hey, slow down, let me show. And how many know that we can wrangle and think about things and worry about things and flip things over in our mind over and over and over and over. And he says, look, don't lean to your own understanding come to me acknowledge know me in this situation and i'll show you what to do just like that and everything will what shift because you'll line up with him and when you do it's it's like opening the doors for somebody who's outside and the Holy Ghost comes in and all of a sudden everything that was so dark you see it so clearly and you go oh I almost stubbed my toe on that I just need to move that over there I just need to move that right there and I need to adjust this in my life oh everything's good and then you see this path in front of you and you can take off like you're supposed to but God will never listen to me closely he will never put your quote-unquote destiny in front of your, his relationship with you. He will not. God is just this way. He will see if you will lay down Isaac even though you believed for him. You say, why? Because God wants to know he's number. He wants to know he's number one. Amen? So we follow him, amen? You say, what happened today? I didn't feel an explosion of anything. Oh, the deep work of the seed. Now do me a favor, don't dig it up. Oh, we got a, we got a sprout. Stop it, you're gonna kill that thing. Just leave it in there. Enjoy the process of relationship. Amen? You receive anything? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this place today and you've never received Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. God loves us and does not want us to perish. We know this from John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All people have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And sin is what causes us to be separated from God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Heaven is a free gift. You cannot earn it or deserve it. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. God wanted us to be brought back into relationship with Him. And so we know from Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, thank God, Christ died for us, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we have been saved from wrath through him. We can receive God's forgiveness through faith by trusting in Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You can place your faith in Jesus and receive God's gift of eternal life right now. If you'd like to receive Jesus, I would like you to raise your hand where you're at. I'd like to pray with you. If there's anybody here that would this morning, I'll give you that opportunity. Okay? It doesn't look like anybody does this morning. Praise God.
There's always more opportunities to come. But I will say this before we pray. If anybody else here needs prayer in general, the altar care workers are here available for you. And uh, you can come up and they can pray with you with it, with, for whatever need you might have. So, Father, we thank you for today and for your word. We bless you and honor you. We give you the glory. Lord, we'll be doers and not hearers only of your word. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com. 